All right. So Jesus, um, <clears throat> well, he had, he had lots of disciples, not just the twelve, and two of them, in the wake of uh, his death, are wandering back to Jerusalem or from Jerusalem uh, to the village of Emmaus, and Luke writes emotionally in this section. He, he's actually giving us some insight into what um, the people are feeling, which is kind of nice. We take that for granted in uh, modern writing. It's pretty rare in ancient writing like this. And they are, to put it mildly, sad. Now, one is named Cleopas. We don't know who the other one is. Um, I mean, for my money, it's probably his wife. Um, not, there are two men depicted here, but um, eh, it doesn't really matter. And Jesus, for whatever reason, comes up alongside them, and they don't recognize him, highlighting the reality that the resurrected Jesus is strange. He is very human, he eats breakfast, he can also pass through walls. I have no idea. But he, I guess, plays dumb. So he's walking with them, and they're, of course, talking through everything that had just happened. As we come to find out, they were followers of Jesus, although not evidently, or not part of the Twelve. Um... And they had some pretty significant hopes about Jesus and what he was going to do. In fact, they tell him they thought he was going to be the one who was sent for the consolation of Israel. In other words, he was going to be the one in some form or fashion who was going to reestablish Israel as a free nation, as God's people. Um, from what we know about expectations of what the Messiah would do, and there were a lot of different variations, this could include taking the throne. This probably included killing a lot of Romans, uh, reforming the temple, God's presence manifest, tangible presence returning to the temple, like uh, in the days of Solomon and Moses. And none of that happened. Because the Messiah died. The Messiah is not supposed to die. The Messiah, depending on who you ask, is supposed to make other people die. So they explain this after Jesus says, well, what, what do you mean? What happened? Luke says, they stopped, they looked down, they were sad. Ugh. And so then Jesus responds as they're making this seven-mile journey, oh, foolish ones and slow to believe. Um, I don't think he's, he's I, he, that's not an insult. It just means they don't get it. And then he proceeds to explain everything. Through the law, through the prophets, about why the Messiah was actually supposed to die. And now Jesus had been explaining to this to his disciples for quite some time. Uh, many times he will say, look, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, they're going to kill me, and I will be raised from the dead. And at no point, clearly, do his disciples get that. 
because it was so strange. It didn't make any sense. Um, So Jesus explains all this, and then he, again, I can't explain Jesus' uh, actions here, but he decides to pretend like he's going to go further. And why? I don't know. And they invite him to stay with him because hospitality is important in that culture. And so he relents and stays. And then and Luke is not... Um, Luke is being very intentional here, I should say, because Jesus takes bread gives thanks, breaks it, and gives it to his disciples. Almost identical language for when Jesus had his final supper with his disciples. Of course, then he said, this is my body. And then if you notice at the very end of this uh, section, um, it says that Jesus had been made known in the breaking of bread. You know, wink. He's talking about communion. Communion. Um, would be kind of Luke's addition to that, I guess. Uh, But nevertheless, he breaks it and something triggers something. They realize it's Jesus and then he vanishes. Again, I don't know why. But they rush back to the disciples. It turns out he has actually already appeared to Simon or Peter. And then things go from there. Speaking of, you know, emotional language. Um, Luke tells us that they were sad. Uh, There's another phrase that has kind of haunted me, echoed in my head for for years. Um, Because when they realize it's Jesus and then he vanishes, Cleopas and whoever else this is, turn to each other and they say, when Jesus was explaining everything from the Hebrew Bible, essentially, Um, weren't our hearts burning inside of us? That's that's very emotional language. Um, Which kind of leads me to a question. What makes your heart burn inside of you other than green chili? Because more likely than not, the thing that gets you, the thing that moves you, the thing that brings you to tears consistently, whether it be a theme, a scene from a book or a movie, a situation, a person, all of the above combined, whatever, um, what kind of gets you and chokes you up probably says something about you. So what scene from that movie gets you? What person just, you just love them or the opposite and it, it just, your heart just kind of burns within you? What, um, what makes you emotional? What touches you? Um, what makes you feel shame? Regret or guilt. When we have that kind of reaction, it's saying something about us. Uh, I'll give you an example from my, myself. Ten-ish uh, years ago, probably a little more. Um, I, my wife and I used to do triathlons. 
Um, and we would do triathlons as part of a group called Team and Training. And if you don't know, Team and Training is a part of, or, or a fundraising wing, I guess, of uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So as being part of this team, you raise money and it goes for almost entirely to Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And as kind of an indefinite leukemia patient myself, um, I think very highly of that organization. And so we, uh, we got to train for years and we did all kinds of different races and it was, it was a ton of fun and made some lifelong friends. Um, when we raced... I noticed that within myself, when I got probably maybe like two miles from the end, so it'd be on the run portion, um, just I would get, and it's funny, I can feel it now even, I would get extremely emotional, like tears emotional. And it, it, even if I knew it was coming, um, I, I would just find myself breaking down right at the end of those, those races. So the question is, well, what did that say about me? I mean, it, it shouldn't be that surprising. Like, I'm with a bunch of other people, people who have become my friends. We are together raising money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, whose actions and funding directly led to a... a medical breakthrough that saved my life and actually keeps me alive. But it's also like a celebration, like this is the end of the race, thank God, because I'm also tired. Uh, but it, it, it's a victory. It's kind of throwing in the face of, of leukemia and really all cancer, like, like, look, I should have died when I was 22 and I'm able to do this. Like th that, that, that's a big deal, you know, that, that feels... It feels important. It feels like a victory. It, it, it does not feel like, like death. It's the opposite. It's, um, it speaks to me. And so for me, when my heart was burning within me, not just because it was elevated because I was running, um, it carried a lot of story with it. Now, whatever gets you, um, again, scenes from a movie, people, situations, memories, whether it's good and it's, it's, a, a, it's a feeling of victory and, and love and joy or sadness and regret and shame, like there's a story behind it. And I've learned over the years, like the road to maturity is learning what those stories are. And so Jesus, as he is, um, as he's walking with them, causing their hearts to burn within them, as it turns out, he is taking the story of Israel and he is framing it in terms of what just happened. Meaning beginning with, with Adam and Eve who walked in the presence of God in the Garden of Delight. To Father Abraham who answered the call 
and moved his family and, and accepted and took part in this promise that God would make a nation out of him. To Moses, who the great prophet who led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. To Elijah, the great prophet. To the great kings like David and Solomon. And potentially to the terrible kings that followed. And the failures of Israel all throughout this story. Um, through the prophets who, who railed on the people because they were not being Israel, who God had intended them to be. Um, I, I would think also it's at least likely that Jesus included some of the stories that were more recent, like the stories of the Maccabees, the stories of, of their own people who who fought in the name of God for their freedom and to some, ex to some success, although ultimately to failure because there was always another foreign power that came in to crush them. And so if you frame the story of Jesus' death and resurrection in light of the story of Israel, you have, I think, two things. Um, first, you have a, a, an immense story of joy and success and beauty and victory and shame and failure and sin and misery and guilt. And then secondly, you have the story of death. And resurrection. That whatever happened in the past, as, as God is framing the story of these two disciples and the story of their people, really their identity, that all of that has come down to this singular moment. And all of their shame, all of their guilt, their regrets, their sin, their misery has found its way there. And the same is true for us. Like if we take this idea of Jesus' death seriously, it's not just a tribal thing for ancient Israel, but it is a much broader thing for humanity. And it has all come down to this moment where it all goes into Jesus' grave with him. And when Jesus' body springs back to life and air fills his lungs again, well, the whole story has changed. That all of our sin, all of our death, all of our, our, our misery and regrets and all of our guilt actually goes and dies with Jesus too. And so in the best sense of the word, uh, in, excuse me, in the best sense of the idea, I would ask you, like, what makes your heart beat? What, what, what makes it burn within you? Where's that passion Where is that connection between your story and who you are and your identity? Because whatever it is and however it is, it has found its way into Jesus. 
And when you are baptized into Jesus, into his death, and you are raised in new life with him, you are a new creation. And in a few moments, you will receive him. You will be, he will be revealed to you again in the breaking of bread as we take part in Holy Communion. Amen.